There's a line that's drawn through the ages. And on that line stands an old rugged cross. And on that cross a battle is raging for the gain of man's soul or its loss. On one side of the forces of evil are the demons and devils of hell. But on the other, the angels of glory and they meet on Golgotha's hill. While the earth shakes at the force of the conflict, and the sun, it refuses to shine. For their hate God's son in the ballad and then in the darkness he cried. It is finished, the battle is over. It is finished. There'll be no more war. It is finished. It's the end of the conflict. It is finished. And was still raging not all prisoners of war had come home you see these are battlefields of my own making I didn't know that the war had been won. Oh, and I heard that the king of all ages, he had fought. Victory! Oh. 
the choir begins to make their way up to uh, lead us in worship this morning, let me make you aware of an opportunity next Sunday. Here in the sanctuary, we will have a living cross. And what that means is it will be full of real living flowers. And we want to encourage you, invite you to uh, come and uh, bring, if you have uh, flowers growing in your garden or if you want to stop by and uh, purchase uh, some flowers uh, that you can come and you can help us decorate that living cross next Sunday. And so that will be here in the sanctuary uh, next Sunday. Uh, so be thinking about that as we celebrate uh, Passion Week and as we look toward Easter next week. Warren. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. You'll notice uh, laying on the floor and in, in the aisles, you'll see some palm branches and kids. If you got some palm branches that you got in Sunday school, when we sing this first song, I want you to pick them up, wave them around, and we're going to cry out Hosanna. But I want you to listen first to Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says to you, say, or if anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt. Then they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road, and they were crying out ahead of him, and they shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let's all sing together. Let's stand. Pick up those palm branches and wave them around as we cry out, Hosanna. Praise is
Everybody is seated. We just come to you right now, grateful for the things that you have done. We're looking forward to this time that we're spending together here today. 
But God, we pray for next week also. We know that there will be people in this room and watching online who do not have a personal relationship with you. God, even today, that's probably the case. And we just ask that your presence move. It's not anything that we can manufacture. It's your Holy Spirit moving in hearts and lives and changing them. May our hearts be soft and malleable so that you can speak to us, so that you can give us a fresh word, renew our spirits. May we be praying for those who are acquaintances and family that we know do not have a personal relationship with you. May we be praying that they would see Jesus for who he is and turn to him and surrender their lives to the King of kings and Lord of lords so that they could have eternal life. Because only you can provide it. We're praying these things today and all throughout this week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
face to face, but until then, may you give us the boldness and the urgency to tell the world about what you've done for them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Good morning. Uh, my name is Clint Stewart. I'm a part of the uh, Youth Committee Search Committee uh, program where we're looking for a guy to uh, fill the position of youth minister here at Westgate. Just wanted to give you an update on where we are. Uh, as you know, many of you will know, a couple of weeks ago we had uh, Stephen uh, Henry here uh, formally uh, to basically be introduced to the church to get a sense of who we are so that we could uh, get a sense of who he is, kind of kick the tires, so to speak, and uh, see if there looks like there's compatibility there. Uh, we're thankful to report that uh, the committee was very positive about Stephen and Alex's experience here. Um, they apparently have excellent immune systems because they didn't get sick as we did in the youth event. About uh, a dozen of us got sick from getting together that uh, Saturday evening, but Stephen and Alex have stronger immune systems than we do, uh, so that's a, that's a good report. Uh, but um, we've looked at uh, references that Stephen provided from people he's worked with and for over the past years and, and uh, certainly received good reports with the, with the questions that the committee proposed to, I guess, half a dozen different uh, references that were on his resume. Um, we, he asked for two weeks to pray through uh, the option of considering coming to here, uh, and that's where we are right now. Uh, currently, uh, April 13th, we should hear from him. Um, the uh, search committee has emailed a letter of intent uh, of calling him here, asking him to join us. He'll receive a formal written uh, expression uh, tomorrow uh, that will include all the details of employment and, and benefits that the churches, church offers and, and uh, just um, an expression of our confidence in him that if the Lord draws him to us, we would welcome him and receive him. Uh, they're a great couple. They are young. Uh, that was really one of the things I was a little cautious about at first, uh, but it, as it turns out, uh, uh, Stephen has been closely related to youth ministry since he was about 18 years old. So he's uh, been closely related to youth leadership now for close to eight years. Uh, and that experience along with his temperament and the gifting that the Lord has given him ha has uh, developed him, I, I think, beyond his years. Uh, he's a mature young man uh, and he has a wife who supports him and walks with him uh, through the things that uh, the Lord has him doing. Uh, you might also be pleased to know that he supported his wife as she uh, received her master's degree, uh, uh, kind of gave her the opportunity to advance her career, and, and now she's uh, supporting him while he advances his career at uh, 
Southwestern Seminary. He'll be finished with his seminary degree probably this year, maybe around December. Um, I think he shared that uh, most of his on-campus work will be complete this May and that the balance of his degree program is online uh, learning, online training. But uh, he should get that formal uh, uh, offer tomorrow and uh, he'll look at those details and uh, through the preparation that the Lord's already given him, we'll uh, come to a decision uh, by the 13th and he'll get back with the committee at that time. So that's the update. Thank you. Thank you very much, man. And then just to follow up a little bit on that, uh, you will have a chance to vote. We're doing this a little bit different because he was here. Could you guys turn the monitors down a little bit? Thank you. Um, We'll have an opportunity as a church to vote on him. He will come in view of a call. That's what we're talking about. He'll be able to come here. We've already heard his testimony. We've already had a chance to meet him. But some of you may not have gotten a chance to meet Stephen. And that's if he decides to come. So be praying. Uh, the committee and staff are very excited about the possibility. But we want to certainly pray that uh, God is working on the other end as well. And I've told Lane several different times, but I'll tell him again in public. Lane, are you even here? Lane's not even here. See what happens when you don't come to church. He's probably out hunting, love Lane, and I told him many times, whoever comes will have very big shoes to fill because Lane did an outstanding job. Hated to see him go, but he's right where he needs to be. And um, he's probably watching online from a uh, hunting stand somewhere. So, hey, next week is Easter, right? And that's going to be a little bit different around here for us. A lot of people uh, will come out for Easter. Easter has been different since the pandemic. Culturally, we have shifted dramatically in the way that people engage with church, so not as many people come out to church, but we've invited 20,000 people in the community to come, and so we're hopeful, and you're inviting people as well. So a couple of things about next week. First of all, if you don't mind not sitting where you normally sit, It'd be really helpful if everybody just moved forward a little bit. The staff will move over to this pew over here. Everybody just move up a row uh, or two or three and kind of fill in down here uh, after the service. We need some young and able-bodied men. That means if you're over 50, you get a pass on this. But we have chairs uh, that we need to fill in in the back. You remember that we took out some pews so that we would have a common area that we could uh, visit because that was such a, a, a big perk of being over in the gym. We had area to visit and, and mingle together before and after the services. But we're going to fill in that area with chairs for next week because we are hopeful. Are you hopeful more people will come? Uh, we are hopeful because uh, it's, it's going to be an exciting time. We have wonderful Sunday school teachers and classes. We want people to come for that. We have an egg hunt after the service. We'll have meaningful worship. It, I just would encourage you to invite uh, friend, neighbor, family member to be here for the experience next Sunday. And as Jeff alluded to, the Living Cross will be over here and it'll be empty without you. All of these flowers are coming from us. It's a reminder that all of us together share in the joy of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, the beauty of the resurrection. So this cross is just a wooden cross covered with chicken wire. And it won't look very nice without the flowers, so be sure and bring flowers. And we will have a few here. Uh, it's much like when people would go to the temple. If you don't bring your flower, you can buy a flower here, $25, $30, and 
per flower, so you can buy as many as you want. But, but this is part of us engaging. This is part of us being a church. This is part of us uh, preparing and, and coming so that we're not empty-handed. Also, if you don't mind, some of you that are, are younger, if you don't mind parking over at Sally Curtis, we'll have some shuttles to bring you over here just so that we have more parking for people to come. I don't, we may not have any more than normal, but we want to be prepared if they come, right? We want to make sure that we provide that opportunity. Uh, so guys, after the service, if you could help us get these chairs out, that would be uh, very helpful. And uh, I w- would you do me one favor? Um, Monday is when I have to uh, tape, uh, get to tape for, for the next Sunday on television. And we kind of have a rhythm going on that is I preach a sermon here and then I try to make it better for television and preach it the next day. On Monday, tape to go to the next Sunday. Well, tomorrow's a little bit different. I'm doing an Easter message because it'd be kind of inappropriate to not have an Easter message on Easter. So I've got to make sure everything is ready tomorrow to do that for television at five o'clock. And uh, I don't know, a lot of you don't care about that. I, it, it, we just hope we're reaching some people out there. But if you don't mind praying for me, as I do that, Easter is always just carries a little bit more pressure, and uh, sometimes as pastors, it's the same message every year, and so if you've been in place a long time, it becomes more challenging, and so I would appreciate your prayers for that. So let's just take a moment now to pray that God would use this experience of Easter in a powerful way all across our community and really throughout the world. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for what Easter represents We recognize that we are desperate for you. We are hopeless and helpless without you. That because of what you did that first Easter, coming back to life, demonstrating the power over sin and death to redeem us and give us eternal and abundant life, it is beyond our comprehension. Sometimes maybe we default to that. and just say, oh, I can't fully grasp that, so we don't try. Oh, Lord, may we fully grasp that. And I pray that on Easter scattered throughout this entire planet called Earth, people would come to worship and experience new life in you. That countless millions would turn their life over to you. So many that are crying out in disappointment, frustration, or that they would cry out to you to find their hope. I pray that we as Westgate would be praying and preparing as if you were going to do something significant in our midst on Easter morn. So we trust you for that. Thank you for being with us now. Lord, we don't take these times lightly. Pray that you would speak to us from your word even now. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I know some of you are a guest. We didn't mention the the communication card earlier, but if you don't mind filling that out, you can drop that in one of the offering boxes out in the atrium afterwards. Also, if you have a prayer request, maybe as a church member, maybe as a guest, something that we can be praying for you about, you have an opportunity to note whether that's confidential or not. And uh, just if you have any spiritual needs, anything that we need to be aware of, you can fill that out. Well, we're in this series called Mandates, And as we look towards obeying everything that Christ has commanded us, we're reminded even today, those of you that are reading through the Bible, in Psalm 119, 143, says, your commands are my delight. And when God's commands are my delight, that's when abundant life becomes real. And that's why we're taking time to look at this series. Obedience gives us the opportunity to demonstrate our obedience to Christ as well as to reflect our love for him, and it puts us on the right pathway to experience the very best 
in life. Today we're going to look at two passages of Scripture, one from John and one from Matthew, in which Jesus gives us these commands, these mandates, these imperatives to open our eyes and look at the fields which are white unto harvest and to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the field. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, and then we'll look at John 4. We looked at John, the passage from John, chapter 4, last year as we went through the series through the book of John. And I want us to go back, and we'll look at it from just a little bit different angle today, but it says in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Then we jump over to John chapter 4, verse 27, very similar time in the life and times of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus had been talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and it says, just then, Jesus always has perfect timing. It says, just then, in his sovereignty, the disciples returned, so they didn't interrupt the conversation, but they saw what was taking place, and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked him, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, you've got to come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards Christ. And meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, you need to eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are white for harvest. This morning, I'd like for us to see two realities from these passages of Scripture, these mandates and these commands that Jesus gives us. And the first is, the harvest is ripe and it is plentiful. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. That was a proverb that they would use in that time. Any of you procrastinators? Those aren't, they're not here yet, right? <laughs> you know, that, that was a phrase for procrastinators. It's like, you know, there's still four months until the harvest. We, we've got plenty of time. There's no need to get into a rush. And so Jesus is using that to say, you need to open your eyes right now. The fields are white unto harvest. They're plentiful. You know, some of you are, are, are farmers. Uh, we had a delightful little conversation this last week, and, and, and Whitney Stiles was talking about planting a garden, and she was saying she's raising crops so she'll have enough to feed us all. You know, usually in a garden, you're saying you're raising, you know, some, some, some vegetables or some produce, but she's raising crops. Well, some of us have gardens that are, are not crops. I mean, you just, I've never been a good gardener. It's always very meager at the best, so I just gave up. But Jesus is saying, this is not just like a few crops out there. This is a bumper crop. The, ripe, the harvest is ripe and it's plentiful. 
These crowds have been following Jesus for several months. Jesus' ministry is about to take a little bit of a turn, a little bit of a difference, because he's been speaking to the masses, he's been healing the masses, and now he's going to kind of back off a little bit. He's going to spend more concentrated time with his disciples. But these crowds have been following for several months, and he had given evidence that he hurts for the physical pains that we have in our lives. But he recognized that they had a greater need, just as we have a greater need. It says in this particular passage of Scripture that Jesus actually felt physical pain. He was physically impacted by the hurt that he saw in the people. Yes, their physical diseases, but also their greater spiritual need. He was nauseated by what he saw. Have you ever been sick that something troubled you so much? I think we all have, and that's the word used here. We oftentimes talk about having a broken heart, but back in this culture, they would talk about being sick. It would literally mean a statement about your insides being upturned, unsettled. Yeah, I remember a time like that when I was in high school. Uh, my parents, uh, they, were, they dealt with conflict rather loud. I don't know if any of you deal with that in your marriage like that, but it's, it's usually pretty loud. And so they were having an argument one particular day and didn't really think much about it. And I was probably a, a junior, maybe a senior in high school. And I was at the breakfast table and they were in their bedroom and they were going at it. And then my dad made a statement about that, okay, well, I'll just, we'll just get a divorce and I'll move back to Texas. We lived out in Arizona at the time. Now I was, I just didn't really think much about my family. I always kind of just took it for granted, you know, didn't really, I was a bad kid, basically. I wasn't really concerned about my parents. And I remember literally spinning up my cereal that was in my mouth because the way it made me feel inside to hear them say that they were going to call it quits. Some of you know that feeling inside of maybe watching your kids go through surgery. I felt that as we went through several surgeries with our kids. And I don't hold a candle to the way that Michelle vicariously lives out the pain of our kids. It's this idea of having anguish. And Jesus had anguish over the devastation of sin, not only what it did physically. Our physical ailments are part of the curse. We weren't created to, to live and experience those things, but because of the curse. Sin impacts us physically. And Jesus ministered to people. He healed them. And that's a reminder that God loves us and he cares for us. Even our physical needs, great concern. So the harvest is ripe and plentiful. Jesus says, look out and recognize there's so much that needs to be brought in. People that he's talking about to be reached for the kingdom of God. So he gives us these commands. Look and pray. The harvest is ripe and plentiful. I don't think Jesus would have given these commands if he didn't say the, the harvest was ripe and plentiful. But he said it's ripe and plentiful, and you're obviously not seeing it, so look and pray. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. We've got plenty of time to reach our neighbors and our friends and others that we know who are without Christ. But I tell you, open your eyes. Fields are ripe unto harvest. This is not an experience in which someone says, well, I'll be, would you look at that? 
People may look, they may turn, but Jesus wasn't saying that. He was saying, stop what you're doing right now and look. And as you look, pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest. In the original language, in the Greek, it's written in such a way with a tense to say, it is incredible of utmost urgency. Nothing is as urgent as this. Uniquely, this coming Friday, Good Friday, marks the 110th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic in which over 1,500 people perished. As frantic family members gathered on both sides of the Atlantic to receive information about their loved ones, boards were posted in which people's names were put in one of two categories, saved and lost. See, at the end of the day, even though there were wealthy people, there were poor people, there were crew members, there were family members, single members, all that set, set aside, saved or lost. And the same is true of the spiritual realm as well. Everybody will end up in one of two categories, saved or lost. And so Jesus says, here's what your response should be. Number one, see the lost around you. Look, see people as Jesus sees them. When the disciples looked at the woman that Jesus was talking to at the, at the well, all they saw was a woman. They saw no spiritual dynamic there, and yet Jesus was doing exactly what he was talking about. He was about to reap in the harvest in which that woman would come to understand him as her Messiah and Lord as would so many people from the village that would come from Samaria. See the lost around us. Any of you have problems with oblivion? I do. I can miss things all of the time. Oblivion. Sometimes we're spiritually oblivious to the realization that people all around us were just busy doing other things that seem so much more important in the moment. It doesn't mean that you stop everything that you're doing, but to look as Jesus did. Here was just a woman just coming out to get water, and he looked into her deeper need and spoke to her about her spiritual needs. See the lost around us is one response, and engage in their redemption, to be engaged in the process. Ask the Lord of the harvest, it says in Matthew 9, 38. Ask, pray that God would do something in the lives of your family members, of your neighbors, of your friends, of those people that you work with that don't yet know Christ. Again, going back to the Titanic, survivor Eva, Eva Hart related the experience that she was one that went out in those 20 lifeboats. But interesting enough, when the lifeboats were tethered down for everyone to escape that wanted to, most of them left less than full. Why? Because people believed that that ship couldn't be sunk, remember? It was noted that even God can't sink the Titanic. 2.20 a.m. on April the 15th, 1912, when the boat sank underneath those cold waters. Lifeboat number 14 that Eva Hart was in, they paddled back and listen for the cries and the voices in the darkness to bring those people into safety. But of the other 19 lifeboats, 
They stayed back because they feared that if they got close to people in the water, they would try to climb into the boat and they would all perish by pulling the boat over. It raises a good question. Do we feel like we're more a part of lifeboat 14 that paddles out in to the desperation? Or do we hold back, feeling like we might lose something if we go back to, re- to administer help? You know, the year that COVID-19 was introduced, Southern Baptists officially launched a campaign called Hoosier One, in which all of us as Southern Baptists were encouraged to have one person that we were praying for to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That we would pray and ask God to save them and that God would use us and other people to be an influence for their decision to follow Christ. How many of us are a part of that now? We have a list of at least one person that we're praying for. Do we have a name somewhere? Do we have a person that we're trying to connect with and share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because everybody at the end of the day will be in one of two columns, saved or lost, to engage in redemption, not just to spectate it and hope that it happens, but to engage in it. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, God doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance of their sins, to engage like God wants us to. Today is Palm Sunday. It represents and loved watching all the palms being waved around. I love the expressions of some of you like, what is going on? What a glorious day that was when Jesus came into Jerusalem, riding in. And as he came in, all those palm branches, and they were crying out, Hosanna means save. Lord, would you save us? We are sheep without a shepherd. Jesus came in triumphant. Do you remember, though, what the religious leaders said? They said, you need to tone it down. You need to call all of your followers to quit doing this. And Jesus, in Luke chapter 19, verse 40, gave this incredible response. If they keep silent, what's going to happen? The rocks are going to cry out. So my thought is, Jesus has triumphed. Let's declare that before the rocks do. Wouldn't you hate to be in heaven and you realize that the rocks did more in crying out for Christ than you did? That'd be a pathetic situation. This is not a duty for us. It's a responsibility, yes. And I think if we approach it like a duty, we probably won't ever do it or it'll always be a drudgery. But telling people about Jesus Christ, that is a privilege that we get to enjoy. The, The late Sam Cathy was an evangelist, Southern Baptist evangelist, and and he had a phrase, that, a way of doing this, I thought was, was, was brilliant. He would walk up to people and he'd say, would you like to know more about Jesus Christ? And if they would say no, then he'd say, well, that's fine. I'll find somebody that is interested. And he just walk up to people. Are you interested in hearing about Jesus? If they said no, you don't take it personally. You just say, okay, I'll find somebody that is. I'll just keep asking people until someone says, yes, I'd like to know more about who he is. Let's go back to the Titanic one more time on this 110th anniversary of Good Friday. And I pray that we think about some of these things on Good Friday, of what it means that God has done for us. In a village near Glasgow, Scotland, you can find the Harper Memorial Church. It was started by a man named John Harper. He felt like he was called into preaching when he was 17. 
And for six years, he worked during the day, and then he would preach anywhere he could at night. And finally, he began to become a full-time pastor, and he started several different churches. He eventually moved to London and experienced tremendous success, so much so that he was invited in the fall of 1911 to preach at the Moody Bible Church in Chicago. The meeting went so well that they invited him back to return the following spring. So on April the 11th, 1912, he boarded the Titanic to return to Moody Church. He was a 39-year-old widower traveling in second class with his six-year-old daughter. When it became very obvious that the ship was going down, he put Nana, his daughter, in a blanket, put her in a lifeboat, and then he began to cry out. And you've heard part of this. Women and children and the unsaved into the first lifeboats. He gave his life jacket to another man who was later rescued on the SS Carpathia. And that man became known as the last convert of John Harper. They were both out in the water struggling. The man had John Harper's life jacket. Harper did not. As her paths crossed in the darkness, he called out with a question, Are you saved? The man replied, No. And so Harper quoted Acts 15, 31, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved. They drifted apart as the waves came and went. A little while later, they drifted back together. And he asked him the same question, Are you saved? And the man replied, No, I honestly can't say that I am. And Harper again quoted Acts 15, 31. He never saw Harper again. Harper went under the water and sank and died. And he would say, as he quoted and shared his testimony, he said, I saw the sheer strength of Harper's unfailing faith. So there alone, in the night, with two miles of water beneath me, I believed. I am John Harper's last convert. You see, the power of evangelism is wrapped up in wanting others to become what we are. That's what Paul said when he was giving his defense in Acts chapter 26. You read about that a few weeks ago. He said, I want you to become what I am except for these chains. I want you to experience the liberty that I have in Christ. And if we have not yet experienced that, if we don't treasure what we have in Christ, it's hard to do that. But when we recognize the treasure that we have in Christ, it becomes natural. Just like it was for John Harper to say, your salvation is more important than my physical life. We've quoted Philippians 2.13 a number of times throughout this series. God is working in us, giving us the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. I pray that we would request, desire, to reach out, to look and to see that the fields are wide under harvest, to pray for God to send out workers and willing enough to be the answer to our own prayers to reach people for Christ. I, I pray today that any of you that are with us, maybe as a first-time guest, maybe you visited with us a number of times, but you haven't yet received Christ, I pray that you would realize that God loves you and he's created you to have a relationship with him. But because of our sin, we are prevented from ever having a relationship with Jesus Christ unless, unless we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. Thankfully, 
Jesus can make us right with God. All we have to do is humbly repent of our sins. That means to turn away from our sins and turn to God, just as that man did out in the middle of the Atlantic on April the 15th, 1912. Repent of our sins and ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, I hope that you'll join me in this simple prayer. We call it a life-changing prayer around here. Those of you that are already Christians, I pray that you would just keep your eyes open as we pray. And you would look at the words and you would say, I want to memorize that or something else close to it, something similar to that, so you can share that with other people. So may this be your prayer as Christians to memorize this thought and ask yourself, am I ready? Do I know somebody that I'm ready to share this prayer with? And if not, ask God to put somebody on your heart. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have reminded us the tasks that you have, you have invited us to, to experience with you to be co-laborers with you, knowing that you are the one that brings the harvest. You have just invited us to be a part of bringing it in. Lord, that we would celebrate that privilege. Lord, we recognize that there may be somebody in this room or listening online that has never received Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray that they would be like John Harper's last convert, that they would come to the realization that that's what I need more than anything else. And they would pray a prayer similar to this, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have, and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, would you release us as a church here at Westgate, along with Christians all across this world, to realize, to look, to see that the harvest is wide into harvest. Lord, we know we have many tasks, many responsibilities, things that need to be done. You're not asking us to stop living. You're simply saying, look up and to see that there's much more than just the task at hand, to see that the fields are wide under harvest, that people are ready to receive Christ, that we, like Sam Cathy, would be saying, if you're not interested, that's okay. I'll find someone that is, and I will keep on asking until someone says they are. Lord, release us to do just that. Thank you for the salvation that we have. I pray that as we go through this holy week, we would recognize the enormous sacrifice that you have made for us, a sacrifice that we needed because we are hopeless and helpless without you. But with you, we are filled with hope and we are empowered to do anything through Christ in whose name we pray, amen. Love you all. Thanks for listening. As we stand to sing this final song, kind of a, a song of commitment as we reflect over this experience of worship, if you need to respond in a public way, know that I'll be standing over by the crosses. Our deacons of the month will be standing at the end of these aisles, and you can go back and they can pray with you. But if God is leading you to just pray with somebody or to get more information, step out and take somebody's hand there, or you can meet us at the connection desk after the service. Let's sing together as we worship.
Sunday Easter.